Sup, y'all, and welcome to the first episode of the Press On Sports podcast. I'm Jack Vita. This name, Press On Sports, we'll see. It's pending right now. This could change later, but we're focused on sports content, and we'll do some other things, too. Anyways, I'm Jack Vita. Today, well, we are right now in the thick of March. It is March right now. It is the thick of college basketball season. We got plenty to talk about. So I'm going to welcome in my friend, blogger Evan Myers. Evan, welcome to the show. What's up, Jack? How you doing? Evan, you've been working hard lately, haven't you? I have, yeah. It's it's that time of year. It's it's honestly the best time of the year, if you ask me. So why don't you tell uh, our listeners just a little bit about what you do on your blog? Yeah, sure. So um, in my free time, I, I like to blog, and I do a college basketball blog. So um, every week... For you know, I, I started it back up probably January, February. I've been putting out um, what I call the Big Dance projection, and it's basically my look at what I believe the tournament would look like if you were to freeze it right then and there. Um, so where each team would be placed and who would be playing who um, kind of gives you a picture of what would happen. So um, every Monday I've been doing that for the past few weeks, and then uh, at the beginning of the year I did some as well, and then. Um, I also try to do a ranking each week of um, top 20 or 25 teams or so and kind of go through um, who they've beat and, and basically the overall um, you know, the players on the team and what kind of style they play just to give people a better idea for those that can't watch it. And you've also done some NBA draft scouting or scouting uh, yeah. reports and projections, yeah. right? Yeah, I had uh, my, my first uh, NBA draft uh, mock draft last year before the draft and uh I hope to do that again this year. It was a lot of fun being able to uh, research some of that and watch the guys throughout the years and then uh, throughout the year and then go back and, and watch the highlights again and kind of um, curate my own my own mock draft projection. So, so Evan, quick icebreaker question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For college basketball themed question, Jim Nance or Gus Johnson? Oh, it's got to be Gus. <laughs> it's got to be Gus Johnson. So much energy. <laughs> Gus is great. I, however, I'll I'll, I'll side with uh, Jim here. Uh, just the reason I go with Jim is the versatility with, yeah. you know, he can go from bringing the hype and March Madness to right around the corner, giving you a great calling the Masters beautifully and even doing a great job on Sundays in the fall, too. Definitely. He's, he's one of the best to do it. But, yeah, definitely Gus. We miss having him in the... <laughs> In the big dance, uh, <laughs> yeah. Is is he going to be calling any games this weekend? You should be able to hear him, uh, maybe in some Big East action. He's still on Fox, so um, I would assume they'd have him for the Big East tournament this weekend. But uh, we'll we'll see. I'm not sure exactly what they'll have him doing. So Evan, let's let's talk about uh, just some of the games from this past weekend. Obviously, the yeah. big story being the Big. 10 tournament being played in Madison Square Garden which right just very was that I thought I found that very strange what did you think about that I thought it was very odd yeah first the venue and then moving it up a week I mean they had to do it for the Big East tournament but um yeah that was that was definitely interesting to see them playing in Madison Square Garden especially you know the Big 10 which is mainly a Midwest yeah. conference being played on the East Coast so this is what happens when the conferences don't make any geographic sense anymore. 
Right. <laughs> Rutgers playing against uh, uh, Iowa, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely were using Rutgers as the that their excuse to be able to put it in New York. Yeah, <laughs> the 14th seed in the 14-team <laughs> conference. <laughs> Didn't they have some kind of weird stretch where, like, prior to this season, they had only won, like, five road games in Big Ten play or something like they've that? Been, they've been very bad <laughs> in the past couple of years. <laughs> I probably messed up that stat. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact number, but it's it's been it's been rough. So I think they got... So I, I personally did not like the Big Ten being played in Madison Square Garden because I think about Madison Square Garden, I think Big East, I think, you know, I think back to Johnny Flynn playing at Syracuse and, <laughs> you know, Villanova and some of those other, some of those teams that used to be in the Big East, like Pitt and yeah, yeah it's just, it's just, it's weird. Connecticut, yeah. Yeah, UConn. Yep. And obviously the schools that are still there, St. John's and, as I said, Villanova. Right. That's their territory. I felt like we were kind of in I, – I shouldn't say we, but being right, a Midwesterner, you know. I, you know, relate with the Big Ten, and I felt like we were, we as Midwesterners were invading their territory. Yeah, I agree. I would have I would have liked to have seen it played uh, in, in Indianapolis, uh, yeah. Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I think that would have been a cool venue for it. Where have they been in recent years? Um, I think they played in in Banker's Life. Yeah, they've um, definitely done it there. They've done it in Chicago before. Right. They've done it, yeah, UC. Um, yeah. I think I think really it's been on a lot of Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, it's a good middle sure spot year. for it. Right. Yeah, I think that's very, you know, you got teams coming from the west, coming from the east, and north and south. I think that's a perfect spot. But uh, MSG's, you know, that's that's a name, so they attract more people that way. Definitely, yeah, I I am with you. Um, however, I think the Big Ten got what they wanted out of this. Oh, for sure. They got. Um, I think it was. I think it was probably good move to have your tournament being played before a week before all the other power five conferences because fans are hungry for college basketball. And this weekend has been a good one to watch some mid majors um, in recent years, but you know, big Ten's a big draw. So it was good for ratings probably um, for the big 10 itself. And also for CBS because they'll get that big 10 tournament this weekend. And then next weekend, uh, granted, I don't know who, what CBS is going to be broadcasting next weekend, but you know, there are going to be a lot yeah, of big games. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have the SEC, um, and then we'll see what else. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I think it worked out well for the Big Ten. I mean, I don't know what the numbers were in viewership or um, ticket sales or whatever, but um, I, I'm sure they got what they were hoping to get out of having it at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I agree. I think it was. It was a good move to kind of separate themselves, like you said, from the other conferences, all all fighting for viewership this week. And it, I personally had a lot of fun watching uh, the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Oh, it was great! Yeah, we got some more competitive basketball. So, so Evan, where do you want to start with this Big Ten tournament? You want to talk about, you know, just the lead with Michigan winning their second straight Big Ten tournament? Yeah, let's talk about Michigan, the hottest team in the country right now. Let's. 
So you want to you want to share anything about Michigan? What you saw out of them uh, this weekend as they you know won four games in four days? Um, well, it just shows that John Beeline is a great coach. He is a great, very underrated. He is a great coach because he can get the team to peak at the right time of the year. They're not the most talented team. They have their flaws, but they've been grinding out games the last two years, and they look very capable of going on a run in March. I agree. And, you know, the funny thing is, just this week, before all this happened, I was talking to a Michigan fan um, up at school, and he was saying how, you know, this team's better than last year's team, and and I disagreed with him. I really thought last year's team, you know, with DJ Wilson and – um they had so many pieces last year that I thought they were the better team last year. They had Derek Walton Jr. too, um, who was just tearing it up. But, uh, you know, I think <laughs> in the past four days they've kind of changed that, and I think they're even stronger this year than they were last year, which is a scary thought. Yeah, um, saying that they're stronger than last year, that's a strong statement, Evan. But I, <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, you can make an argument. I'm just curious, do you think they're – more or less talented than they were last year? I think they're less talented. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Beeline's got them playing at such a high level right now to the point yeah. that everyone is everyone's game is elevated beyond what they should be doing. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's actually, isn't it kind of funny that Purdue and Michigan are two teams that lost their best player to the NBA <laughs> draft and now they're yeah. better? Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, there's a few more we can get into it later, but there's a few more teams that are performing at a higher level this year than last year that don't have, you know, top top 10 picks on their team anymore. Yeah, definitely the experience experience is the name of the game in the Big 10 right now. For sure. Yeah. As you look at as you you mentioned Michigan um, they've seen some big, I think Mo Wagner has been a guy who's really taken a big step this year. Um, mm-hmm. but you look at the rest of the roster, I mean, they have some solid players, but it seems like, you know, Purdue is a much, I, I think Purdue is a much more talented team and so is Michigan state, but Michigan just has a way of grinding out these games and finding ways to win. They sure do these past couple of years, you know, winning back to back tournaments now, um, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out in the tournament. It's going to hurt that they're going to sit for almost two weeks uh, without playing a game. Yeah, but I still think that um, you know some of these guys have proven to themselves now just how much potential they have and um, just how well they can play if everyone's clicking. So Evan, what what happened to Purdue yesterday? What what went wrong? You know, Purdue they met a team with Michigan who who was able to beat them with their size. I thought. Um, you know, Teske was unbelievable. I don't know if you saw any yeah. of the game last night, yeah. but he has never, he has not played that well in any game that I've ever seen. Um, Me neither. Had, you know, four, 14 points. Um, he was in a little bit of foul trouble, but I think him along with, uh, you know, and I brought this up with, with someone, Duncan Robinson has really oh, stepped yeah. it up. Um, and he's a guy that's got size, but he can also step out and defend and he can also shoot threes. Um, I think Purdue... You know, they ran into a team like that, and then Carson Edwards was just chucking up shots. Yeah. I mean, just hitting the bat, nothing but the backboard, and that, you know, just not smart shots. Um, so, yeah, I think Michigan, you know, they outsmarted them. They beat them down low, and it it's definitely helps playing a team a third time. 
Um, it, you know, it's hard. It's hard to beat any team three times in a row, and, and Purdue found that out. Yeah, and it looked like for a little bit that Michigan was going to let slip away from themselves. It did, yeah, yeah. They they almost they almost got too relaxed. It seemed like, um, and Purdue was kind of about to, you know, they they kind of were coming back there. Um, but I would I would I would agree with you. I think Purdue's got more talent. I think they're still the better team. I haven't yeah. ranked higher. Um, a lot of people are putting Michigan up in that top ten and even top five um, in the in the country and. I, I want to remind people that Michigan lost to Purdue twice this year, um, but you know, still they're hot right now and uh, they're they're playing some good basketball. So what you saw from Michigan in those last, let's say, eight minutes, does that should that discourage anyone from picking them in their NCAA brackets? The maybe an inability to hit free throws. Um, I didn't see a lot of good ball movement. It looked like a lot of isolation. Um, guys trying to be trying to be heroes playing hero ball um you know i think i think anytime you see a team struggle with free throws especially in college basketball there needs to be some concern um you know with two halves and seven fouls getting you to to shooting free throws there's a lot of free throw shot in college basketball um so that that concerned me a little bit but i think too it was just i think they got too relaxed and you know they thought they had the game won with eight minutes to go, and it's a forty-minute ball game. So, um, hopefully, hopefully they they stress that a little bit with the players there, and uh, they can you know tell them you got to play forty minutes straight. You can't just play thirty-two. There's one specific team that comes to mind, and uh, it could have gone down as a historically great team, and maybe they are, but they did not win a national championship because they could not hit free throws. You know who <laughs> I'm thinking I know of. You're going, I think I know where you're going who? with this one. Memphis? Yes, 2008 <laughs> Memphis. Yep. I remember that year, I was in 8th grade and my gym teacher, Jeff Cook, I'm going to give him a little shout out here, ran a good base, good basketball camp, um, and he kept saying to me all year because I'm like yeah Memphis is gonna go undefeated they're gonna win the national championship and he's like he's like they can't hit free throws that's gonna be their kryptonite at some point and that is what happened yep Derek Rose Chris Douglas Roberts they... <laughs> frustrating you know but it was nice to see Kansas uh big time big time game that time oh definitely so um look looking at this from Purdue's end um they're in pretty good shape right I yeah I think so it was good for them to um, – was it good for them to get in a game like that where they're trailing big because they had played so many close games? And I think it could be a good moral victory because, you know, they, they kept fighting till the final whistle and they were able to chip into that lead. I think it helps to have a game like that, um, especially now that they see what happens when they face, you know, two or three big guys yeah. that are productive on the other team. Um I think it's a sign to the other guys. I'm talking about um, Vince Edwards and um, P.J. Thompson and some of those guys that when Carson Edwards is not having a good game, they need to step up. Um, you know, scoring Carson Edwards, I'm just looking at it now, like four for 16, yeah, um, two for seven from behind the arc. And he's been their guy all year. But when he's not going, I'm, you know, Vince Edwards has got to step up. Isaac Haas is going to do what he does, but they need some production from the other guys. So I think it was good. Um, in terms of figuring out what they need to work on, but it also, um, they were exposed a little bit. Also, Haas was in foul trouble for a good chunk of the game, which hurt him too. Yep, that's a good point. 
And you're um, you're gonna have games like that where just nothing goes right. And I think it I think it was good for Purdue to get that out of their system before the definitely. tournament and you know, come out of it positively. Definitely, yeah. Um and you know when Haas is in foul trouble, they're gonna need a guy like um um uh, Harms. Yeah. Or um you know, the seven seven two or three seven three. Yeah, seven three guy from the Netherlands. He's gonna have to be the guy that steps up and you know, he doesn't score the ball much, but just being a force um in the lane, you know, just to spell Haas a little bit when they when it comes tournament time, they're gonna need that. Yeah, definitely. Um I think Purdue they might be the I think I like them the most out of these teams in the Big Ten. Really? Yeah. Because they I just think they're a really well oiled machine. Um they have a little bit of everything. They shoot the ball well. They have good guard play. They have a pair of seven footers. Um, I think they're deep and they play well together as a team. Yeah. So I, they're definitely, yeah, I I like them. I think, uh, I think Michigan state is still the top team in the big East or the big 10. But we'll see. We'll see come tournament time. Yeah. There's something about Michigan state that just like, looks like it may be missing. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, yeah, but they, I mean, they have two top 10 picks on their team. So, yeah. Um, I think, I think Michigan state's problem is at times they don't have a second guy, uh, go to score off of the wing. Um, you know, Bridges can do what he does. Cassius Winston is there sometimes, but you know, they, they don't have another consistent threat. Um, the other thing too, with Michigan state, from what I've noticed is when they face a team that controls the pace and controls the game, like, like a Wisconsin, yeah, um, yeah, Wisconsin. they, they run into some troubles, you know? So, um, if they were to face a team in the second round, like, like Louisville or Virginia tech, um, I'm just trying to think of some of those seven, 10 or eight, nine teams. Um, even a team like Florida that could shoot the lights out on them, they, they might be in trouble. I could see it. I can yeah. definitely see it. Um, and Michigan State, the last couple of years. Now, granted, last year's team was kind of a rebuilding year. Right. Um. I mean, they've come, they've fallen out of the tournament very early. They have. Yeah, they have. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um. I mean, it's, it's Tom Izzo. It's hard to go against him. But um, you know, it does seem like this year's team. There's something not quite there yet. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're going to have time to get it there in the next couple of weeks. Now, granted, a lot of teams seem like there's something oh, not yeah. quite there. Yeah. Well, you've you've heard what I've said. I've tweeted it out a few times. There's no great teams in college basketball this year. There's just not any team that you can find that says they're great. There's very few flaws with them. Um, every team has their their kryptonite, their reason for worry. One last thought I want to have on Purdue, and then I think we could we could talk a little bit about some of the other things that happened this weekend in the Big Ten, uh, jump outside of the Big Ten, and then look forward to what we'll be seeing this week. And that my thought with Purdue is they played a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of close games in the regular season, yep. which could be something that really helps them, or it could be... It, sign of caution because I think it makes it overall it makes a team better to play close games but when you see them only winning in single digits against some of these teams like Rutgers 
you wonder, do they play down to their competition? And are they susceptible to getting topped by a really good mid-major team? Right. I think it's a little bit of a worry, too, that, you know, the Big Ten's down this year and they were in so many close games, like you're saying. Um, you know, single-digit wins over Indiana, um, Rutgers, like you said, a very close game, uh, Maryland, you know, Penn State, Illinois, some of these teams that, um, you know, you're trying to find a reason why they're they were able to challenge Purdue, and it's it's difficult for some of them. Um, so I think it does help them, like you said, to you know put them in a tough situation where they have to figure their a way out. But we'll see what happens when they face a team, um, like you said, a mid-major team in the first round, and then maybe a more established team if they make it past them in the second to see um, what they do outside of the Big Ten against some competition. And so much, so much of this is like, who are you? Who do you end up playing? That's, oh yeah. So much of it is luck of the draw and matchups. It really is. Um, I feel bad for whoever has to play Loyola Chicago first round. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll get to them in a little bit. Let's okay. just. Uh, so let's. I. This is a good way to transition. I felt pretty good about Purdue the way they put Penn State away on Saturday. Um, is what's the deal with Penn State? Are they in? Are they out? So right now I have Penn State out, and I have them farther out than some do. Um, I still have them behind Nebraska, actually. And uh, I just don't see any way Penn State is able to make it. Now, granted, they have the players. Um, if you look at you know guys that can put the ball on the floor and score, Tony Carr is fantastic. Um, he was you know trying to keep them in that game against Purdue, but... Really, they, they just started out um, not too hot, and they've got you know, a loss to Ryder, a loss to Northwestern, a loss to Wisconsin, um, and they, they swept Ohio State. You know, they won three against them, but after that, it's Nebraska and Maryland, and um, I, I have a hard time putting Penn State above Nebraska, and Nebraska's not even in for me. Wow. Yeah. So how many teams in the Big Ten do you have in right now? Four. I just have the four. So Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, and Ohio State. Let's talk about Ohio State. They seem like a team that's just going to get beat really early. <laughs> yeah, I can't get too excited about Ohio State. I've been having a hard time with it. Um, they were they were on fire for a while there in terms of their record, at least. Uh, and a lot of people had them, you know, top 20 in the country, top 10 even, some people were saying. And I was... I just couldn't get with it. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, they beat Michigan State, they beat Purdue, they beat Michigan, so they've got all those, but they got swept by Penn State. You know, they got three <laughs> three losses to Penn State. And they got killed by them. Yeah. They, yeah, they lost to 20, you know, by 23, and I think that's right when they got ranked, too. So people were kind of like, well, what's going on here? Um but, you know, Ohio State, they've got some players, too. Jay Sean Tate's not bad. Um, Bates Diop is not bad either. C.J. Jackson. Um, you know, they've got some guys, some shooters, some scorers. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they're a team that could get bounced pretty quickly. Yeah, I could see it. So where do you have these Big Ten teams seeded at right now? So in terms of seeding, um, I, I have Michigan State, Still up there as a two seed, and actually the very first two seed. Um, I didn't drop them too far. After that, I've got uh, Purdue as slotted as a three seed right now. 
and then Michigan up to a four. Um, wow. So yeah, Michigan they they jumped quite a bit on my my list. Now I know some people are going to say Michigan should be in the conversation for two. Um, no, I don't think they're that high. No. But um, you know, and people might get mad about this, but I have Ohio State as a nine seed. Um, <laughs> so wow, I've got them down That's there. That's a hot take. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, some people are putting them four or five, and I just I don't see that. I really don't. I think the Big Ten was really down this year. Um, and I, I just can't, like I said, I can't get too excited about them. If you had to predict where these teams would be, are do you think these are going to be your projections are going to be representative of or reflective of what we'll see on Sunday? Or do you think the committee is going to look at it differently? I think the committee is going to look at it very differently. Um, they're using a lot of analytics this year. Um, you're going to hear the word quadrant a lot. <laughs> um <laughs> So I think there's there's going to be some changes to what people are, are used to, and I, I don't think mine necessarily reflects what the actual bracket's going to look like. Um, it's really just what I, I believe it is. Um, and I really do believe Ohio State would be a nine seed right now if it were to end. Um, but I could see I could see them getting a, a five seed maybe, uh, maybe a four. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like a 5-6, that sounds kind of right. Yeah. And I, I'm not a bracketologist, but <laughs> I don't think they should be I don't think they should be a 2. I, I, I mean, I have a hard time picturing them being that low, just considering how the committee seems to favor these big schools. And right. they want to see them succeed. Yeah. Especially Ohio State, yeah. Yeah. So is there hope for... Is there hope for the uh, Nebraska or Penn State or any of these other teams? It's really hard to find a reason why um, they'd get in because I believe they're on the outside uh, looking in right now. If, if they were one of those first uh, first four in or so, there's always the chance. Um, but I just, I mean, unless unless there's some change of heart or, you know, someone is able to find some stat that supports them, you know, uh, I, I don't I don't think there's much hope for them. Okay. All right. So any other stuff you want to talk about with the Big Ten or do you wanna give me a little recap of what we may have missed if we were only focused on the Big Ten this weekend? Uh we can keep moving on if that's all right. All right. Yeah. Um yeah. I won't shed too many tears over Northwestern on this podcast. Oh yeah, we can talk about it. You know, and that's actually, we could bring that up real quick. We could talk okay. about the bottom half of the Big Ten, because that's a good point. Um, you want to talk about Northwestern for a bit? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, all right, I'll just, this is my thoughts, and I'm not a huge Northwestern fan. It's just the team that I pay the most attention to growing up in Wilmette, living about two minutes from Welsh Ryan Arena, which is currently under construction, which I think... I think that was something that hurt that them hurt. a little this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Allstate Arena isn't exactly close to Evanston. And, you know, Evan, you're you're currently a senior. You played two years of college basketball yeah. at a small school. And, um, I mean, you can attest to, like, it's re- part of the thing is, like, if you're a smaller school especially um, – you want to have a gym that's really convenient for your students to come to, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, at your school, 
Carthage, which I, I was at for a couple of years, uh, <laughs> for those that might not know. <laughs> um, I mean, it was it's like just right across from the dorm. So, and this is what it's like at uh, TCU where my sister goes. And um, I think one of the big things is like, you know, students are very busy, especially at Northwestern. I think they're yeah. very busy. <laughs> so to have a gym that like, you know, you might not be able to stay for the whole game, but just be able to walk in, walk out and just kind of do things on your own schedule and not have to buy tickets. And, you know, the, what I was hearing about Northwestern is like, now granted they provided transportation for the students, which is nice, but I mean, it's not exactly easy to get over to Rosemont because the students had to reserve seats on the uh, shuttle bus like days in advance um, so they had to plan ahead to go to these games and if you wanted to drive over there you had to get a parking spot so it's just not convenient right it takes away from the convenience like you were saying of you know hey there's a basketball game tonight let's go across the street and watch the game yeah you know? yeah and so like I mean you think about how busy Northwestern students are Rosemont being about at least 40 45 minutes away um that yeah roughly about that far it's not exactly close and so it's not something where you can be like oh yeah I'll just stop by watch a quarter watch half the game but mm-hmm. you have to make a full night commitment out of that and if you're taking the shuttle I'm sure you probably have to you know you have to worry about am I going to make it there on time and you probably get there early and then you have to wait a little bit for everyone to get on the shuttle. And like, it's just not convenient. It really so, is. They lost a big home crowd, home court advantage, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. Plus you have to so. get used to a different gym and, but ultimately I don't think those should be excuses. Northwestern just really underperformed. <laughs> and uh, I mean, some of the, I'm not going to, get too deep into this but i just think with um seem like they just kind of evan did you see the first dance documentary no um so there is a quote from a player i i don't want to i don't want to get myself in trouble with this (laughs) but uh they it just seemed like we were kind of the northwestern fan base was celebrating before and just acting as if like everything was given and not earned. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. There's a quote from a player that said, I, I think we could go to the final four this year. <laughs> they started out as a number 19. Now, granted there are a lot of expectations and it's not really fair for these players to have to, you know, carry the weight of, you know, hundred, a hundred years of, you know, underachieving. Right. Like the Cubs or, you know, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm going off the rails on this. Yeah. <laughs> Bring no, me but back, it, Evan. it is tricky. I mean, it's, it's tough. And especially when you do something last year that no one really expected um, to be able to repeat that, you know, with the added pressure, uh, it's tricky. And you got to really enjoy the moment when it's there. So some people think that the team just didn't work as hard and they kind of acted like like I mentioned, just kind of assuming, like, it seemed like we were celebrating before they had really done anything. Now, granted, what they did last year was worth celebrating. I'm not going to cut into that. It was an amazing season. 
um, for any team that hasn't made the tournament to just all of a sudden get there and win a game and then play a really good second half against Gonzaga. Yeah, a game they should have won too. (laughs) Well, it should have at least been closer. Yeah. They got hurt by (laughs) some stuff. I'll never forget that call. Oh, man. Yeah, that was... (laughs) That was not good. Yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> but it seemed like maybe they could have waited a couple years to have this documentary come out. It just seemed like it just seemed like there was this kind of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I could be totally wrong about that, but no. But you know they're they're celebrating for and you know granted it's big for the school, but one tournament victory, you know. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's a big step for them, but um, you know if you want to be great, you gotta you gotta build off of that. And expect more. So you gotta act like you've been there. Exactly. So which they have now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, I mean I mean I think some of the stuff was good. I think it was good to recognize them at Northwestern football game. Um, it's a historic class. I just think some of the things could have waited, and I think that could have been a distraction as well. For sure. So that I'm done with Northwestern. <laughs> you want to talk maybe like 30 seconds just about Wisconsin? Yeah, I was going to bring up Wisconsin, and yeah. I had two other teams in mind that I had ranked okay. pretty high. Um, so yeah, I mean Wisconsin. You know, I had them um, initially in the in the field. Um, oh, yeah. Um, a while, you know, back in preseason. Um, yeah. Before we realized that they weren't actually that good. Um, but you know, they, they did play with a lot of heart. I thought, you know, Oh no, here they go on another run, um, in that big 10 tournament. But, uh, you know, they definitely have some things to, to work on in the future. Um, I like, I like how they're set up. If Ethan Happ, uh, does come back, which he should for his senior year, yeah. uh, they got him, they got freshman Brad Davison, who everyone is, you oh, know, yeah. loving and then Khalil Iverson is just a freak athlete. Um, you know, if if they're able to really develop over this next year here, I think I think they could be back in the conversation next year for making the tournament. Definitely. I mean, they got they played really. They were a different team over the last two three weeks of the season. Uh, gave it a good effort against Michigan State. I liked what I saw from Michigan State on that last defensive sequence. Yes. Not allowing them to get a good shot on the perimeter. Um, but yeah, they definitely have some pieces. Davison looks like he's going to be their next star player. Yep. Um, passing the torch off to him. Hap is a good player. He's not up to the level of what some of these, you know, the previous recruiting classes had in Decker and Kaminsky. But I mean, they shouldn't be too stressed. Any team that goes to the tournament 19 years in a row is in pretty good shape. (laughs) Yeah. That's an awesome program right there. Definitely. Um, and then I wanted to touch on just real quick Maryland and Minnesota, uh, two teams that I thought should have been a lot better this year. I actually I had Minnesota as a top ten team. Wow! And <laughs> my preseason, so I'm sorry to all the uh, Golden Gopher fans out there <laughs> who I got maybe a little excited, but uh, you know, for those that don't know, they lost Reggie Lynch, who was one of their big time catalyst players. Um, he was suspended. Um, for an assault case that was going on. And then Amir Coffey also got hurt. Uh, so they lost two of their big time players, but, um, you know, they definitely faltered down the stretch after beating 
you know, Alabama earlier in the year. Um, that was that famous five on three game. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, they lost to Miami <laughs> by five. Yeah. That was a crazy game. <laughs> um, how about you know, the, how about that, uh, bowl sequence you saw the other night? Oh, the, when they blew it. Yeah. Yeah. They had, uh, the Mavs were just tanking better than the bulls were, Yeah, <laughs> uh, developing young talent. Right. <laughs> hopefully the bulls can get that high pick. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm hoping so. But yeah, if you missed it, look it up on YouTube. Uh, the Mavs only put four players on the court, <laughs> and the Bulls were in transition. They had five guys, and uh, Denzel Valentine missed a three pointer. <laughs> Why you would take a three with four guys on the floor, I don't know. <laughs> hey, that's how we're developing young talent here right. in Chicago. Yeah. Put it in quotes, developing talent. <laughs> so, oh, I I misspoke. The Bulls are developing young talent better than the Mavs are tanking. Yeah. Due to that sequence. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right, get back. To, sorry, I, I cut no, you no, off. No, no, that's right. Minnesota, I Bulls talk. <laughs> yeah, but we want to stay on college hoops here. Yeah, so, so I was just saying, you know, Minnesota, Maryland was another team that um, frustrated me. So it was interesting to see – uh, Nebraska kind of come out of nowhere this year in the Big Ten. See uh, Ohio State really come out of nowhere. Um, Penn State and some of these teams, you know, Minnesota, Maryland, Wisconsin, even um, Indiana, who I who I thought yeah. could make a run this year with Archie Miller now coaching there. Um, you know, they just they just didn't put it together, and I think it kind of shows that it's it's tough to get excited about the top teams in the Big Ten. Um, because they have wins against these teams who were really beat up with injuries and just didn't perform to the level that they should have. Yeah. I'd say real quick for Indiana, I think their season was a success. Um, It's going to take a little bit for Archie Miller to get his recruits in, develop them, but to jump up to sixth place, even though, I mean, so they were the sixth seed, um, so sixth place in the uh, regular season, jumping up from where were they last two years last year the, the two years ago they were in last right. year they last were year they pretty were low yeah yeah Tom so I, I heard them <laughs> yeah no, so was... some some good movement there for IU you know let me just give a quick shout out to I don't um I don't know him or anything but a Lake County guy Justin Smith who used to go to Stevenson um he's a guy to watch out for at Indiana very bouncy and when he was playing uh they you know Last last game against Rutgers, he only had four points, but before that, put up double figures every game. And he's a guy that uh, watch out for out of Buffalo Grove, Illinois. So is he a freshman? This <laughs> he's year? a freshman. He's a freshman. Yep. Cool. So all right, so we gotta go. Let's talk, get out of the Big Ten because everyone's gonna call us homers on the internet. And, <laughs> I mean, you're not even a Big Ten fan, though. No. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Uh, we're just showing our regional bias. <laughs> I'm showing my regional bias. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Evan, catch us up on what we missed if we were only watching the Big Ten this weekend. Yeah, so a lot of good mid-major action. There's uh, four more tickets punched besides the one that Michigan got in with. Obviously, the big story has got to be Loyola Chicago, and you know I don't. <laughs> here's the Homer bias again, I guess. <laughs> but uh, no, for real, Loyola Chicago. Great is story a that. Yeah, great story. I haven't made it uh, in, what, 30 years or so? 33, um, I believe. It was 1985? Yeah. You know, and, and they they won a championship back in the 60s. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, different different time, different game back then. But, no, Loyola is a team that I really believe if they get, you know, um, I, th- I think they could take out any team they're against. They're that dangerous. Um, and they're probably going to be a 12 seed, which means they'll match up against a 5 in those 5-12 matchups. Um, you know, that's just an upset waiting to happen. So, Loyola is a team that if they get and they could make it to the Sweet 16 this year. Yeah, besides Loyola, uh, you got Murray State, who made it in, uh, winning the Ohio Valley. They knocked out uh, Belmont, which was a surprise to me. I had Belmont slotted in basically the entire year. Uh, Murray State, they're, they're a feisty team. They got some good guard play on, on their squad. Um, Lipscomb, great story coming out of the Atlantic Sun. They took down uh, Florida Gulf Coast, who... Uh, they were a favorite for you know a few years back, winning with Dunk City. Uh, but Lipscomb, their very first appearance, and they were just an NAIA school uh, back in 2004, I believe it was. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, how cool is that? You know, jumping right. Um, yeah. So, big big time game for Lipscomb, and then Radford. Uh, they had the they had the highlight of the weekend, knocking down the buzzer beater. Um, that was a huge win to win the Big South over Liberty. So uh, there's some intriguing storylines going into the tournament, and you know we've only got five teams, five teams in with with 28 more, or however many more um, we still have to go. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a fun weekend for for basketball, and we got more action tonight. So definitely. So um, for those that might not know, we're recording this on a Monday. Uh, we'll see when this comes out. Um, maybe Wednesday by the time you hear this. Um, however, I want to come back to Loyola, Chicago, and you touched on it a little bit. Um, <laughs> this is going to show, again, regional bias. However, <laughs> we will be the first to admit that Chicago basketball, college basketball in Illinois for, uh, you know, just in general has been a major disappointment for a long time. It really has. Um, and that's what made me so excited about the Missouri Valley. Um, stress on the word Missouri because we, <laughs> there were four teams. The final four teams in the Missouri Valley were all from Illinois, um, which I thought, you know, it's exciting. Illinois and, you know, State, them, Southern, yep. Uh, yep. Loyola Chicago was the other? Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was it was fun that – we were going to get a team, especially with Northwestern, um, like you were touching on, just not having the year that we thought they would. Um, Loyola is definitely, definitely Chicago's team this year. So um, seeing, seeing uh, Valpo, my alma mater, which I covered the last two years, jumping into the Missouri Valley this year and struggling, um, for lack of a better word, uh, it it really showed that I mean that's a pretty strong mid major conference. It was very strong this year, um, and I think it helped getting Wichita State out of there. Yeah, but uh, they're they're definitely one of the stronger mid major conferences, and I really thought any one of those Illinois teams could push um, a team in the tournament this year. And Loyola happens to be the best one out of them. They happen to get the bid, and um, they can do some damage. So and. From like so, I I believe there are ten teams in the Missouri Valley. That sounds about right. Yeah, so ten teams, teams like two through seven are like, I mean, there's not a lot of separation between them. There was a lot of just it was a pretty even conference, I think. From it really spots. was. 
Yeah, yeah. You had the four Illinois teams. Missouri State had a solid year. Um, Drake. Drake yeah. was up there. Northern Iowa is always Evansville uh, a team to worry was not about. bad. Evansville, yeah. So, um, you know, Indiana State struggled a little bit. Valpo struggled. But other than that, I mean, not not a bad conference at all. Indiana State have a nice win early on? They took down, I think, who was that again? Yeah, they beat Indiana, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah Indiana, the very first game. Um, so, and, you know, at that time I was I had high hopes for Indiana, and all of a sudden they were crushed. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it looked like. Loyola, pretty decent conference, and Loyola Chicago looked like they were head and shoulders above everyone the whole year. Definitely, definitely, they 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 were you know all the way through the top team. So to have a we talk about some of these other programs like I don't know DePaul, uh, <laughs> cough cough, um, but some of these other programs around Chicago have just been down for a long time and disappointing considering the amount of talent in the state of Illinois. Um, so, and then Northwestern being a disappointment, I think Loyola Chicago, um, not it's going, it's definitely one of the best college basketball stories of the region. If not the entire season. I agree. Definitely. Just Especially for, not making the tournament for the past yeah, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, having, like you said, they're different from a team like Northwestern, where Northwestern, it was the first time ever, this was a team that achieved a great deal of success a long time ago and won a national championship. Right. So, so Ramblers are back. <laughs> they are back. And so I, I want to know, Evan, we're going to talk, we're going to move more into seeding, uh, projections and looking ahead at this week here. Um, so what better way? Let's ask, who could you see? You mentioned Loyola being, you think they will be a 12 seed potentially. Yep. Who could you see them playing early on in a 5-12 so game? Right now, and this is going to annoy some people um, with who I have at the 5 slot, <laughs> but I have them playing Texas right now. Wow, um, that's high. I know. Yeah, I know that's high for Texas. Um but I, you know, I can I can defend it. <laughs> but if it's not it. Texas, um, well, I, yeah, if it's not Texas, I think it could be um, it could be a team like Ohio State, really. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you know, maybe Clemson falls back there. Um, they've been struggling a little bit. West Virginia might be in that range. Um, a team like Miami, who's who's getting hot, they could be in that range. What about? Seton, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Seton. I was just gonna say Seton Hall and Creighton out of the Big East. Yeah, I could definitely see like a team like Creighton or Seton Hall because I was, I was, I've noticed it seems like early on they try to pit a lot of these really good mid majors against like schools from, uh, the, I mean they play a good school, but granted a team that doesn't have a huge fan base, it seems like the committee sometimes right. likes to protect some of the teams like Ohio State, um, so I could see them playing against a Big East team or maybe. Uh, I don't know. What about Wichita State? Yeah, I mean, I think Wichita State is still up in the three, three, four range, but it could it, they could fall down there. So, yeah, um, so, it, it really could be any of those. So one of those teams that, granted, is very, very good, however, doesn't have the same kind of uh, a following as one of these powers that may be in the ACC, right? Which is too bad because they should just rank them how they are. But yeah, um, yeah, I think there's definitely some bias to 
the schools that are going to have a bigger market, which means, you know, more people watching and more people paying attention to the tournament. So they like to line up the smaller schools to kind of beat each other. So, yeah. Um, which is a shame. They should, they should just do it straight up, but, um, that's how the committee is. So, and yeah, I'm definitely someone that loves watching the underdogs in March madness. It's kind of funny because I'm different about that with football, which I've been very like pro Patriots where I think Patriots are awesome for the game. Um, whereas I think the mid majors are just awesome for the tournament, but I, that could show a little bit of my bias considering I went to a mid major school. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Evan, like, let's get back to this. So why do you have Texas as a five seed? You're really high on them. Yeah. So I really like Texas, um, because of, I think it helps playing in the big 12. Um, and let me touch on the big 12 real quick. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who think there's gotta be at least one bad team in every conference. And if you lose to that team, your season's over, you know, you drop down the rankings, but with the big 12, it's so strong this year, uh, that I believe nine out of the 10 teams can make it. And that's including Oklahoma state who a lot of people are finally <laughs> catching on to. Yeah. Um, I think Iowa State's the one that gets left out, but even they weren't a bad team this year. I mean, Lindell Wigginton is is the truth. I mean, he's a he's an explosive point guard. We saw his dunk um, this past weekend where he went up and slammed it down. Um, and, you know, Texas, just looking at their resume, they don't really have any bad losses. Um, they lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't count that as a bad loss, though. Uh, Kansas State, they lost to twice, but their wins, you know, they beat Texas Tech, who's a top 10 team in my opinion. West Virginia's right there as well. They swept Oklahoma, beat them twice. They knocked down TCU and Oklahoma State. So, uh, and, and they have one of the most intriguing players in the nation in Mo, in Mo Bamba. So um, I really believe Texas, you know, when you look at a team that can make a run, that's got the players to do it, they're the team. And, and, uh, you know, who who can't love Shaka Smart either? <laughs> no, definitely. Great coach. Yeah. So, so so you got so you got nine Big Ten or Big Twelve teams in. I do, I do. And where do you have them? Who's the one wait, sorry, what who'd you have out? I had Iowa State. Iowa State. So I mean you got a lot of star power in that conference with from Trey Young to Bamba. And those yeah. teams aren't even at the top. Right, which is it's pretty crazy this year. Uh, you got Kansas and Texas Tech and West Virginia really ruling the conference. But um, I think uh, it's I think without a doubt, it is the best conference in college, in college basketball this year. Yeah, definitely. So let's, let's go to the ACC. How many ACC teams do you have in right now? So I have nine teams in the ACC wow. in right now. Um, and I, I would put that conference right behind the Big 12 in terms of most powerful conference uh, in the nation this year. So uh, obviously you got Virginia, number one team in the nation, number one team in that conference. Uh, we had a fantastic Duke-North Carolina game this weekend, which you know, upset me being a Tar Heel fan. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, those teams are, are right there neck and neck every year, and uh, it showed it again this year. I think there's some concerns for both. Uh, just as there is for really any team in the nation this year, but but they're both strong. Um, Clemson, they've they've come out of nowhere this year. Um, you know, I think a lot of people expected a drop off after losing um, some players last year, and 
they're right there in the thick of it. They're probably a top 15 team uh, deserving of a three or four seed this year. Miami's been hot. So, I mean, you know, the ACC, there's there's more down at the bottom, but I, I do really like that conference this year. All right, uh, so let's go SEC. So the SEC, uh, it's been a crazy year for that conference. Who thought that we would be saying that Auburn and Tennessee <laughs> are at the top of that conference? You know, tell me that back in November and I would have laughed. I would have said <laughs> Kentucky. It's it's only got to be Kentucky. But um, Kentucky's got some flaws this year, and uh, they they've fallen off to you know probably the third, maybe even the fourth best team in the SEC. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I like Tennessee a lot. Um, Auburn, I'm having a hard time figuring out all the hype, um, around Auburn. They're, they're a solid team, but, uh, they lack some of the wins that Tennessee has. Um, but yeah, overall those, those two teams are definitely, uh, worthy of consideration in terms of, you know, two, three, four seed coming up here especially if they play well in the conference tournament. And then I can't go without mentioning Florida, who um, they're finally getting back on the map. They've got some, you know, Jalen Hudson's a nice shooter. Uh, Kavon Allen's a very good player. Uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're a team, too, that if they get hot in the tournament, you know, it's going to be a lot of case for a lot of these teams this year. But if, if they get hot, uh, they can make a run. All right, uh, Pac-12. So the Pac-12, uh, it's down this year. There's probably only one, maybe two locks this year. Uh, Arizona is in for sure. Arizona State, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, they're for sure in. But they have been faltering big time. Um, they're they're down to 8-10, and 10, which is, I think they're eight, an 8 seed in their conference, which means they'll have to go through Arizona um, if they want to get any, any farther past uh, the quarterfinals. So um, it's definitely a strange conference because you got Arizona one, uh, USC in terms of conference record two, and I don't even see USC making it. Um, wow. I don't see Utah making it. I don't see UCLA making it. Um, I think Washington. I have Washington in right now, but they're right on the border, um, and they got Notre Dame and Syracuse behind them who have been knocking on the door. But overall, the Pac-12. It's another team. It's another conference like the Big Ten. That's just it's it's a down year. Yeah, well, it. I mean, it was coming up last year. It was way up. It was oh, really it was great up. last year. Yeah. So it the only place it could go was down, but it's gone I, down further than people thought. Definitely. Um, and the you know we don't have to get into it, but all the Arizona scandal has definitely yeah brought it down even more. Um, but yeah. All right. So give me a little bit of a rundown. Who's on the bubble? in the perception of the national media, um, that's really going to have a lot to prove this, uh, this week. So on the bubble in the national media, two teams come out to mind and they're both in the ACC. Um, Notre Dame is the first and they have a very interesting week in front of them here where, uh, Bonzi Colson, who's their superstar player, just came back from an injury that sidelined him for a few months now. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame was able to kind of keep steady without him. But now that they've got him back, the committee is going to have to decide, all right, do we look at the wins with Colson on the floor, which, you know, Notre Dame was a top top 20 team with Colson on the floor before, or do we look at what they did without Colson? Does that is that enough 
to warrant not getting into the tournament. So Notre Dame is a team to keep an eye on. Um, I, I think right now I have them just beyond Washington, but I think with a win in the ACC tournament, um, you know, over if they can beat Miami or Virginia Tech or someone like that, they should get in. Um, they, they should be on the end side uh, of the tournament. And then Syracuse is another team. They've been um, bouncing around. There's been times where, I, you know, Syracuse is not going to make it. And then there's other times where, yeah, this is a team that could actually make it. Uh, they got they got quality wins against Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech, Louisville, um, but then they also had some bad losses against Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Boston College, um, even St. Bonnie's. You could throw in there as maybe even a bad loss. Um, so Syracuse is another team that they're going to have a lot of attention on them in this coming week here, and uh, we'll see we'll see what the committee does with both of those schools. All right, so uh, let's we'll go from we'll go to a little bit of smaller conferences. Um, <laughs> I'm not exactly good at the science of high majors, low majors, mid majors, all that. <laughs> uh, so I'll let you take this wherever you want to go. Um, so there's some of these conferences like you know Big East, A10, uh, Big West, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so no, these the, the yeah the West Coast. West Coast, okay. Mm-hmm. So these are all, those are higher, they're, what What would you call those conferences? <laughs> they're almost like the mid, good, I don't know, the mid power majors or something. I don't yeah, know. mid <laughs> mid to high, yeah. somewhere in between um, there. I, I mean, I'd throw the Big East up in the top one yeah, uh, in terms definitely. of basketball. You know, definitely, they, I would too. Yeah, but then, you know, you were mentioning you got the American Conference, um, the, the A-10, the West Coast, uh, even like the Mountain West and the Conference USA are up this year. So um, I guess we can start out talking about the Big East a little bit. So yeah. is that all right? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, so, Whatever I mean, you want to do. <laughs> yeah. So the Big East, uh, in my opinion, two of the two of the number one seeds are coming out of the Big East this year. And I think it's Villanova and Xavier. Uh, both teams have been phenomenal. If it weren't for Virginia, Villanova would be the number one team in the nation, um, hands down. But even Villanova, you know, they faltered a little bit this year, losing to St. John's. Uh, they lost to Butler, which, you know, it was in Hinkle, granted. Um, but they have arguably the national player of the year on their team in Jalen Brunson, another Lake County guy from Stevenson. Yeah, uh, It's been very cool seeing him play. He's, he's had one of the greatest years statistically in college basketball this year, and he's a guy – to keep an eye out for um Mikhail Bridges is also on the team and he could be taking the NBA draft this year he's that good um Xavier is another team we saw them run through Arizona last year and make it all the way to I believe it was the elite eight before losing to Gonzaga um JP Makira's back Trayvon Blewett's back this year Xavier's a team to watch out for and then I really like um you know there's these there's these teams kind of in the middle of the Big East that um you know, Seton Hall, they're in that discussion. Um, Angel Delgado is a is a very talented big man. Creighton is a good team who I've been defending all year. Um, they haven't got quite the attention I thought they should, but um, I think they're a top 25 team. And then Providence. I have Providence in this year as well um, with Butler and Marquette. And I think the Big, the big East sends seven teams this year um, if everything works out how it should. All right, so uh, what conference does – good job, Evan. Keep it up. Uh, <laughs> what conference do you want to go to next? 
Uh, we could go to West Coast, American, and A10 and hit those ones up. Yeah, just go cycle through them. Okay. And then I got a big... Right now? I got a... Yeah, yeah. And then I have a mid-majors okay. question for you that I'm going to give you Okay. after that. Okay. Yeah, so after the Big East, uh, the American Conference is one that needs some uh, recognition, at least. This past weekend provided us with one of the best games all season with Cincinnati taking on Wichita State, and both those teams could be three seeds um, come Sunday. But aside from Cincinnati and Wichita State, I would say Houston is a team that really needs some recognition, um, and people are finally starting to give it to them. They're 24-6 and six on the year. They've taken down Cincinnati and Wichita State, um, but th- you know the one knock really is their early season losses against Drexel and Tulane. Now, granted, this is a different team now here in March than it was back in November and December, um, but Houston, they, they should make the tournament comfortably. Um, and I, I give the American Conference three teams this year. Okay. Uh, um, so we we can run from them, uh, go to the West Coast. Yeah, go for it. Uh, if that, yeah, so the West Coast, Gonzaga, obviously, uh, they, they're up there. Uh, quietly, they've kind of stayed right around the top ten. And, uh, you know, no reason why they shouldn't. They've taken down Creighton, Texas, Ohio State. Uh, and St. Mary's from their own conference, and they've only lost four games while doing it, including a double overtime loss against Florida in that uh, PK-80 tournament back in uh, the end of November. Um, that was a game they could have won. They had they got into some foul trouble there. But uh, Gonzaga's nice. Josh Perkins is back. Jonathan Williams, um, a team that, you know, played for the national championship last year, and they are right back up to – you know, I don't know if they're at the level they were last year, but they are right back up to an elite level this year. Uh, St. Mary's, they've been in and out of the top 25, AP top 25. I've had them outside of it pretty much the entire year. Um, they're 20 and four. When I look at their resume, they they beat Gonzaga, but then after that, the only big wins I have for them is uh, a sweep against BYU, and BYU is not a tournament team this year. Um, and they've got worse losses than Gonzaga this year against Washington State, San Francisco, and Georgia. So, you know, St. Mary's is a team, they'll make it um, pretty much, you know, they, Gonzaga, but their record is phenomenal at 28 and 4. But I don't think that they're a team that's primed to, to make much noise in the tournament this year. Um, so then after the West Coast, the one, the one last conference that uh, sticks out to me in terms of being in that kind of mid grouping is the Atlantic 10 and that's led with Rhode Island this year who has just been uh, fantastic 23 and 6 15 and 3 in conference play and if I don't know if you remember last year but they took Oregon uh right down to the wire yeah. in that game yeah um I think that was in the the round of 32 I don't think that was sweet 16 quite yet but uh Rhode Island a phenomenal team and they've got they've got the guys to do it uh EC Matthews he's the real deal uh, Jared T- Terrell is off the bench. He's a nice player too. Stanford Robinson. So they got a group of guys that can all play basketball, and um, they've been playing against some good competition in the Atlantic Ten with St. Bonaventure. Um, it's really a shame for the Bonnies because any other year, you know, with the record they have and the wins, they they would be a lock to win the A10. But Rhode Island is just that good this year. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um, but St. Bonaventure is a team that I think is right on the bubble there at 24-6. and six. They, they beat Rhode Islander earlier in the year. They, they took Sarah down, um, but you know some losses to St. Joseph's and Niagara and 
Dayton twice. It's kind of questionable. So uh, we'll see what the committee does with St. Bonaventure. But uh, overall, the A-10 and Rhode Island specifically has been very impressive this year. Where do you where could you see Rhode Island being seated? So right now, I think Rhode Island um, with their resume is probably a six or a seven. Um, and I've got them as a seven right now, actually. They could get all the way up to five, though. Um, the way that the AP has been raking them and the way that um, the committee likes to look at teams with uh, very few losses, six losses, it really depends on if they're able to run through the conference tournament. And if they are, um, which would hopefully include a win against St. Bonnie's, they should move up to five, six range. Uh, but right now, I think they're more like a seven. Hey, it's that uh, Loyola five twelve game against <laughs> Rhode Island. It could be the case, yeah. Knocked it would, Rhode Island. It would out. hurt. It, it would hurt for me. I would have to pick Loyola probably. I I really like Rhode Island this year. All right, so we're gonna talk a little bit of mid majors. Then I'm gonna give you a chance to give some bold predictions for this week, and then we're gonna be finished up. So That's good. Uh, mid majors. Are there any specific mid-majors that you look at right now that you could see being problematic for teams in March? I think there's a good number this year, more than in the past, honestly. Um, and we talked about Loyola coming out of the Missouri Valley. Um, the first team that really jumps out to me is Nevada. And they're so good that I almost forget that they're playing the Mountain West. Um, <laughs> they're 26-6. and six. They've been right up there for a while um they were another team last year i think they challenged arizona maybe or who was it they were playing someone real tough down to the wire uh in the tournament but they beat rhode island earlier in the year and they've got a guy named jordan who's ex- uh the son of simeon rice the uh, wow. football great he used to play for the yeah. Buccaneers. yeah um you know he's he's built like him he's he's a guy that can drive down the lane take contact from anyone um and then they've also got the uh, Martin Twins that transferred in from NC State. Um, both of those guys can play very good basketball. And I think Nevada is a team, you know, they aren't going to be in that 12-13 range. They're probably going to be more 7-8-9. Uh, but um, they're a team that can definitely definitely scare some teams uh, come tournament time. So uh, my next question is, are there any potential teams that you could see as mid-majors, like technically the way we see mid-majors, not these mid to high majors, <laughs> but right. any mid, are there any mid-majors that could potentially get an at-large bid if they were to falter in their conference tournament? I think the only one right now that has a legitimate shot would be Middle Tennessee uh, in Conference USA, just because of, the, you know, they got a solid track record after, yeah. uh, I think they took down Minnesota last year. And um, yeah, they've got right, like yeah yeah they've got the players. They don't have Reggie Upshaw back, but they still have Giddy Potts and they have Nick King, um, who transferred from Alabama, I believe it was. Um, so yeah, they could be the team that ends up picking up that automatic bid um, if they end up losing the conference USA and uh, if they do get into the tournament, I really think they can make some noise. Yeah, I definitely think as you brought up, the track record is really important with. Uh, some of these mid-major teams vying for an at-large, if they don't have the respect of the committee from prior years, um, you know, they want they want teams that people are going to recognize. So people right. have respect for Middle Tennessee given what they've done the last couple of years. Yeah, they've built up a name for themselves. 
And that's important if you want to be able to push your program forward and be able to be trusted in the committee's eyes. Um, if you want to become someone like Wichita State or Butler, you got to really, really push it. Definitely. So, Evan, if there's, uh, I guess the best way we could wrap up on this is, are there, what are your bold predictions for this? Uh, what are you expecting to see? What bold predictions do you have for this conference tournament week? Yeah, so for this week coming up, um, I expect a lot of chaos to still happen. Um, I think a lot of these conferences are closer than people think they are. So I think we could see uh, the ACC being won by, you know, someone that we aren't expecting or the Big 12 or the Big East. Um, So, you know, one team I really like in the ACC moving forward is Virginia Tech. Uh, They, you know, they beat Duke last week. Um, I got a lot of respect for Buzz Williams. He's a fantastic coach and um they got they they got a solid squad and and they're really picking up at the right time I feel like so Virginia Tech is a team I would watch out for Uh, but then again they might have to play Notre Dame in that second round and uh Notre Dame's gonna be very hungry so yeah so um if anyone so let's say someone comes out of nowhere wins their conference tournament I mean we should basically assume it at this point um what what could you see being the reaction to that with the, how could that affect the, um, on the bubble teams? Some um, of the, on the bubble teams. Yeah. I mean, it can definitely, it would, it would push a lot of these teams out. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm nervous about, um, Alabama. Uh, they're one team that's been slowing down recently. Uh, Notre Dame and Syracuse. Does it need to get on the other side of my opinion? So, um, you know, if you get a team like a USC or UCLA that's able to beat Arizona in the Pac-12 or even, um, I'm trying to think, maybe a Syracuse or Notre Dame that goes a little farther, it, it immediately pushes out Alabama or Marquette or, uh, you know, maybe even Butler, a team that's, you know, been struggling and uh, pushes them out of the picture completely. Yeah, I think the great thing about these conference tournaments that is that makes them underrated. First of all, I mean, you talk about emotion in college sports and just how much their emotion there is because so many of these guys won't get to play at the next level. This is it for them. And at the same time, a lot of these guys and especially in the smaller conferences, they're not going to get to play in the NCAA tournament. So right. this this opportunity to go to like play on a neutral court somewhere and get that kind of tournament experience is like it's super super important to a lot of these players even if i had a story last year i interviewed the uh deputy commissioner of the horizon league and she was telling me about the 10 seed two years ago in the first year that they had been playing in detroit in uh the joe lewis arena um on a neutral site the 10 seed got I think they, I don't think it was even close. They lost their first game and players were coming up to her and saying like, thank you so much for this experience. Cause we played wow. four years and we were never going to get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. So to get this experience to play in a big arena, um, and especially get to like that idea, that idea of traveling and yep. there's a ter- tournament feel to it. Um, it may not quite be the big dance, but it's uh, it's a good consolation for a lot of these teams and players. Yeah, I definitely agree with you because some of these guys, you know, they 
they've been playing in front of their schools and it's a smaller arena, but you put them in that larger atmosphere and immediately, like you said, they're traveling somewhere. They're part of a tournament. Um, you get to bond with your teammates more when you travel. So um, I think there's definitely something to be said for that. And at the Horizon League, they put them all, like all the men's and women's players were all at the same hotel. And it was like a really nice hotel. And yeah. they all just thought it was cool how you kind of be like seeing all these different people from other schools there. Right. So. Yeah, I, I remember doing, you know, AAU tournaments or even uh, back in high school age and everything. And you travel and yeah, you see people around the town that you're staying in or, you know, eating at the restaurants or whatever. It's cool. You know, it's cool to see the players that you're competing against. Being in a big city and then also you step down from that. It's cool for people like me who are, you know, as a college student that gets to travel and, you know, write for a student newspaper and get to cover right. something of that nature. So, yeah, very exciting. There's just great emotion all aboard. We'll, we'll be watching it for sure. And next week, Evan, you're, you're going to be coming back next week, right? Yep. I'll be back next week. <laughs> okay, great. So, <laughs> We are going to, uh, on Selection Sunday, hopefully, hopefully, we're, after Selection Sunday, we are going to do a podcast just breaking down the bracket, some of the happenings of the conference tournaments, and we'll be looking ahead and filling out our brackets. And we may have a third guy joining us, so it should be oh. a lot of fun. Sounds like sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, Evan, <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. I gotta ask real quick: uh, yeah. Is there anything that you would like to? Uh, would you like people to check out your blog and read it, or follow yeah. you on Twitter? If anyone wants to check out the blog, they can do that. Um, it's just Evan Myers Blogger. Um, I do the big dance proje- pro- projection, like I was saying. I'll probably put one out sometime this week, maybe a couple actually, that conference when conference play starts really getting into it, um, just with some of the updates. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, <laughs> This is Jack's name too that he came up, the Evan, <laughs> Evan underscore on underscore earth 96. That's my, uh, my Twitter tagline, and you can go follow me on there. It's a lot of college hoops content, but then I throw a little, some other stuff in there sometimes too, so... But yeah, I want to thank you, Jack, for having me on the podcast, and uh, look forward to talking to uh, talk talking to you more about Selection Sunday. All right, well, uh, you don't have to thank me, Evan. You're always welcome back. <laughs> well, thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. There's uh, Evan Myers. He did a great job today, and I'm looking forward to bringing him back. So thank you all so much for tuning in to the Press On Sports Podcast. We'll hope to have some more coming out. As I mentioned, we'll have a March Madness bracket or uh, podcast coming out for sure next week, sometime before the before the big dance. Uh, at least the round of sixty four begins. Uh, so look for that. Um, hopefully, we'll get in this be getting this out on iTunes soon. And I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff we'll be doing. And lastly. Maybe this week, sometime. If not, next week we'll be uh, popping up with a spring training podcast. Checking in. Uh, we got to get Jordan Morandini back in action here. He's got to report on some spring training stuff. So be on the lookout for that. Follow me along on Twitter at Velvita7. Uh, that's Vel with two L's. And I'll keep you posted. And thank you all so much. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>